0: Good morning everybody. My name is Valerie and I'm excited to be up here today sharing some stuff that has been really important to me. And before we dive into that, I'm going to have my cool mom, Vicki, who if you don't know her yet, now's the time. Uh, she is going to read for us, with us, if you like to read along, the scripture that we're going to be looking at today. So without further ado, here's my cool mom.
1: That is quite an introduction. Thank you, Val. So today I'm reading Matthew 14:22 to 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go out on the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And while he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. Early in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them On the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got back to the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Mm. Feels a little chilly this morning, but my mom just brought the heat. (laughs) Thank you, Mom, Vicki, for those who are not her daughter. I'm going to pray quick before we get started. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this place to be together. Thank you that it is not raining. Jesus, thank you for the women who have gone before me to carve a path for me to be up here today, and thank you for the gentlemen who have stepped aside to make space. Jesus, thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray that it would be our teacher today and that we will learn a little bit more about who you are and what you have for us today. Amen. Amen. Oh, I love having the mic. <laughs> and I'm really excited to have this opportunity to be up here in front of you wonderful people today. So a little bit about myself i am a proud chapel hill townie grew up here and obviously both of my parents live here you got to see my cool mom you may have met my cool dad bob before if you haven't i have a feeling it will be a short time until you do they both go here to love chapel hill my husband eddie also goes here to love chapel hill my grandparents go to love chapel hill my parents-in-law today my sister-in-law today are here i got a lot going on in Chapel Hill, and I'm really grateful for it. Um, it makes sense, being from here and loving being from here, that I would go to a church called Love Chapel Hill. And it makes it that much more special that I get to be up here today. So a lot of my life has been anchored in being from here. And so I'm excited to talk about this scripture that we just heard together because it has been an anchor for me in my walk with Jesus. I've carried it through all stages of my life so far, away from my home here, and I have brought it back. I think this scripture has been so important to me because it shares shows us two cool things. The first is that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the real deal. And the second is that Jesus is always there to comfort us and to catch us. And I'm excited to expand on those things as we go today. So as we dive a little deeper into what this scripture says and means, we'll be taking a close look and we'll take a couple zoom out steps as we go. So there's a little bit of a of an overview of how this will go. So when we look at Scripture, I've learned from going to this church that it's important to understand the bigger and broader picture of what's going on around just this moment in time. So let's start by taking a look at what's happening right in the immediate context of these verses. So if you look in Matthew 14, just right before Jesus is walking on the water. There are two important things that happen in his life. The first is that John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin, is beheaded, which is really sad and really stinks. And Jesus is, of course, upset and goes and grieves and is alone with the Father. The second thing that happens right before this is Jesus feeds the 5,000, which is a huge miracle that you may have learned about if you ever went to vacation Bible school. That is where I learned about it. And it's a big deal that Jesus does this. And that's happening right before we get to John or Matthew 14, 22. So it brings us to the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus sends his disciples in a boat ahead of him, so that he can go up to the mountain to pray and to be alone with God after this big miracle. The Sea of Galilee is situated in some mountains, so it's not unusual for storms to kick up sort of frequently and without much warning which is what happens here. Because of the mountains, the wind can blow over the mountains and fall right onto the water and kick it right up, and there we have a storm. So there is a geographical, geological explanation for this storm that happens before Jesus comes walking to his disciples. I also want to point out that Jesus walks on the water, which is kind of a big deal. I think when we talk about Jesus doing that, sometimes it's like, oh, he did that. He's the only one, until Peter joins him. So I want to zoom out one more step now and look at this bigger picture of the book of Matthew. I had a lot of fun learning about Matthew and more about what this scripture means as I was preparing to be up here today. So Matthew was writing from a Jewish perspective for an intended Jewish audience. Knowing this about Matthew helps us understand how the story of Jesus walking on the water connects to this larger picture of Jewish history, this larger connection. So there are two big names in the Old Testament. One of them is Moses, who received the law from God, The other one is Elijah, who is a prophet. Both of these guys were known to have been in God's presence. And both of these guys, Moses and Elijah, were in the presence of God on a mountain. Moses met with God on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. Elijah met with God on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 19. So when Jesus goes to the mountain to pray by himself someone reading from a Jewish perspective, as Matthew is writing to, would immediately draw a connection from Jesus to Moses to Elijah, which is important because Moses and Elijah being big names, everyone knows who they are, adds Jesus to this, as this pillar of importance. And it also connects this bigger history that goes beyond just this moment of Jesus' life, connecting way back through their whole history. Also, one thing that I want to mention from the scripture is in verse 27, when Jesus says, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. If you're reading this from a Jewish perspective, could recall in Exodus, when God reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush, and he calls himself, I am. So in this moment, Jesus is comforting his disciples by saying, don't worry, it is I. Someone reading this would read that and see the comfort and would also be connecting Jesus again to this bigger picture, this larger story, in reminding us, his readers that God is present in Jesus. I also want to mention about this scripture, this potential connection that Matthew's audience could make
1: to water.
0: Last week, we talked about Genesis 1 and God's spirit being over the waters. So someone reading this would see Jesus literally walking over the waters. And think about that connection from the very beginning. In the beginning, that's what happened. The spirit was over the waters. God was over the waters. Jesus walking on the waters. We're getting it. A second connection to water that I'll just throw in there is back to our friend Moses, who we know is important. And how Moses parted the Red Sea when he was bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. If you ever saw Prince of Egypt, you know what exactly what I'm picturing. Moses had to split, with God's help, split the Red Sea to cross through it. Jesus, in his power, walks right over it, and that's a big deal. Jesus is showing us, in this text, how he is connected to this history and how he is who he says he is, the real deal right here. I want to take a moment to take another step back. Every time I say I'm zooming out, I know I take a step back here. It's nice to have all this space. Um, But I want to take another moment now to zoom out one step further out of the historical context into our present day context now And share a little bit about myself and why I chose this scripture to look at together. I chose it, like I said at the beginning, because it has been an anchor for me in my walk with Jesus. A big part of that is because I feel so connected to Peter. Peter who says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to the water. And then gets out of the boat and walks on the water towards Jesus. I, can, I feel connected to Peter because in this moment, he is both full of faith, he knows exactly where he is walking to, and he is also full of fear because he sees the wind and gets afraid and starts to sink. Even just as I was preparing for this today, I was full of faith knowing the Holy Spirit has given me these words to say and knowing that I love being up front, and knowing that I'm excited to share with you all, being full of this faith in who God has made me to be, but also being full of fear of what if I sound funny, or what if I talk too fast, or if I talk too slow, or what if people aren't listening, or they get distracted, any sort of thing that can come with being up front. But I've been reminded over and over that both can exist. You can be full of fear and full of faith at the same time. Peter demonstrates that beautifully for us in this scripture. Another time in my life besides just today that I have felt both of these things was right after I finished college. So as I said, I'm a Chapel Hill County. graduated from Chapel Hill High, go Tigers. I went to James Madison University in Virginia for college, and when I started my senior year, I knew I was not going to move anywhere further away from home, and I was not going to move anywhere colder than Harrisonburg, Virginia. (laughs) joke was on me because I ended up moving to Minnesota to go to graduate school, which is both very far and very cold. I knew for some reason that I had to move there. I felt confident that Jesus wanted me to go to Minnesota for this grad program. So I did. Full of faith in knowing that Jesus wanted this for me, stepped out of my metaphorical boat. My mom and I drove to Minnesota and I lived there for two years. Also like Peter, I was afraid of a lot of things. (laughs) Afraid of this figurative wind of what am I doing and what is my purpose moving here. Also afraid of the literal blizzard winds. Like I said, didn't want to move anywhere cold. Like I said, Minnesota, very cold. I was afraid because this was the opposite of what I thought I was going to be doing when I graduated. I was afraid that I wouldn't find community I was afraid that I wouldn't figure out what the heck my purpose was in Minnesota or why Jesus wanted me there. And I was afraid that I would not survive the winter. I really had to remind myself that people choose to live in Minnesota for their whole lives and that they would survive every winter, every year. That really got me through. Also, I got a nice coat. But it was hard for me there. And I felt at times like I was sinking, like Peter did, even though he was so full of faith in Jesus. And in the midst of my fear, I also felt like Jesus was catching me. He gave me a boyfriend who's now my husband, who also moved to Minnesota after he graduated. He gave us church and ministry communities filled with people who loved us and took really good care of us. He gave me Midwestern friends who gave me survival tips and stuck with me through the ups and downs of my time there. He gave me opportunities to show my North Carolina and Virginia friends and family what my life was like in this new place. And he reminded me that my purpose isn't only in my career or my next job or my education. My purpose is being right where I am with Jesus. So I've been back in Chapel Hill since August of 2019. And every time I think of my time in Mankato, Minnesota, I'm reminded of how tough it was. And I'm reminded of how Jesus comforted me by reminding me of who he is and how he caught me every time I started to sink. So I want to zoom out once more to think about how this scripture applies to us, not just to myself. And as you don't know yet, I got my master's in Minnesota in experiential education. So I'm all about involving an experience in our learning. So do me a favor, wherever you're sitting, raise one hand if you connect to Peter at all in any kind of way from the scripture. Maybe being full of faith, full of fear, afraid of the wind, any sort of wind you have in your life, the physical wind today, metaphorical. Okay, keep your hand up. And now, raise your other hand if someone that you know has their hand up right now. Here we are, both hands up. Now give yourself a high five. I love the self high five. I love that we just had that experience together. But I wanted us to high five ourselves because that's germ free. And because we are all human. We're all like Peter. Peter. We're all feeling all kinds of big things all the time that sometimes are really fun, like being full of faith and knowing exactly who Jesus is and exactly where we're walking, but also can be full of some not-so-fun things like being afraid or feeling confused or abandoned or scared. The reason that I wanted to talk so much about Peter is because When we read this, he demonstrates a lot of what our life is like. Throughout his life, Peter does that, particularly here. And so one thing that's really important to me is reflection and thinking about ourselves and what we're doing and what's going on. And so I have two hopes for us as we look here and look outward as we kind of wrap up today. My hope is that you can keep this scripture with you wherever you go, whether it's away from Chapel Hill or back, and that you can remember first that Jesus is the real deal. He is who he says he is, and that There is a whole history of scripture that points directly to him, reminding us of who he is as part of this bigger picture, and that he is bigger than the bigger picture. The second thing, my second hope, is that we can remember that Jesus is comforting us. He is reminding us of who he is, and he is catching us immediately. For me, like I talked about in Minnesota, I felt like Jesus was catching me by giving me great relationships and solid support when I was struggling. I want you to take a moment to think about how you connect to Peter. We all raised our hand, and then the other one, and did the high five. But think about a time when you felt full of faith, or full of fear, or both. And think about how Peter felt when Jesus caught him. In verse 31, it says, Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Jesus doesn't wait for us to struggle. Jesus doesn't watch and laugh or watch and see if we can figure it out on our own. Jesus isn't testing our faith. But he's there to immediately catch us because he knows we can't walk on any kind of water, anything, without him. Peter didn't, didn't fall because he was afraid. Peter fell because he wasn't Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus didn't let Peter fall for his own entertainment or fun. But he let him fall so that he could immediately catch him. So as we wrap up today... I hope that you can think about who Jesus has been in your life, how you have felt Jesus catch you and what that's looked like for you. And think about next time you feel like you're sinking or you feel afraid, you can remember how Peter probably felt when Jesus caught him. Thank you for letting me have the mic today. I'm going to pray to close us and we're going to move into communion together. Jesus, you're the best. Thank you for this time. Thank you for what you've done for us and help us reflect and think about that as we move into communion and into the rest of church today. Amen.